creation is much more beautiful um, both to God and to the world when you've got a right attitude. So Colossians chapter 3 is about that right attitude. Um, and um, uh, so uh, the Apostle Paul, he's, his whole purpose in writing the Colossians is trying to stabilize them. They had a lot of fears. There were a lot of false teachers. Even though they didn't have YouTube, they were probably battling a YouTube type of barrage of different doctrines and different preachings and different uh, theologies. So Paul writes Colossians to stabilize them and let them know that Christ is all they need and that in Him they are complete, which is revolutionary. Because every religion says you got to do more, you got to do better. Um, you need to pray to this saint and you need to go to this uh, place and you got to go on this pilgrimage. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ has made it possible for you to be at rest and you to be happy, even though the whole world's fallen apart. So Paul writes that and it is chock-a-block full with amazing things. So, um, uh, you know, do you realize you can live in victory over any sin? There is no sin that Jesus Christ did not die for. You say, what about that sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Well, you're stupid. Because if you had to ask whether a Christian struggles with blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, then you don't understand the sin against the Holy Spirit. No, no Christian can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. So, realize there was no sin that Jesus Christ didn't die for and that you can't get forgiven for as a, as a Christian. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much sin? All sin. So if you're struggling with something, you say, I've been struggling with it for 20 years. Well, amen. But you know, you can have the victory over it. Colossians is all about that, that you can have the victory. All you got to do is learn how to put it off. So uh, uh, there's, there's something that just happens when you start to understand something's unplugged. And there's, a, there's a, a great truth that comes when you realize the power of sin is the law. How many understand that scripture? The reason why sin has such a grip on you is because your conscience is, is engraved with the law of God. It's, it's a good thing to have, right? It makes you feel guilty when you go against it. But the strength of sin is the law. But Jesus Christ not only fulfilled the law, but he took it out of the way. Nailing it to the cross. So everything that should damn me has now been paid for. So I now can realize that the effect of that sin is unplugged. It'd be like a child going up to a, to a wall socket and, uh, you know, he's got, he's got two, two, uh, um, um, screwdrivers there and mom's out to panic and the dad says, it's all right. Mom says, he's not all right. He's going to put it in. It's all right. How can the dad say that? Because there's no electricity going to the socket. The socket is dead. So you can, you can, uh, uh, poke in there. Now it's not a, a smart thing to do, but my point is that sin has been unplugged in you. And so when you mess with sin, it cannot damn you. Now it may kill you. <laughs> you can die early as a Christian, but you cannot go to hell if you try. So what happened is a Christian's got to realize, you know what, when sin comes knocking on my door and my temptation, I always give in, comes pulling at me, I can say, you're unplugged. You have no power over me. So next time you're struggling with why read your Bible, this is the reason why you read your Bible, because it tells you the truth about sin and tells you the truth about the victory that you have as a Christian. Uh, now, by looking at Colossians chapter 3, since... And, and start there, if you will, just, just read along with me quietly as I read. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Go ahead and bury these things that Christ died for when you got saved. 
Mortify, therefore, fornication and uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You need to put those things behind you. Uh, if you get little idols around the house, let me tell you, put them out in the rubbish. Uh, if you live to go shopping because you just can't be happy until you got new shoes and, uh, and new jewelry and you got a new purse, I'm talking about women all of a sudden, you're all of a sudden together, but if you got to have a new car, you got to have a new um, Xbox game before you're happy, let me tell you, put that behind you. Because that's not how a Christian lives. Fornication ought to be gone out of your life since you got saved. Amen? Amen. Verse 6 says, For which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. God will, uh, God judges all those sins and people who commit those sins. Verse 7, In whom in the which also ye walked sometime when ye lived in those sins. Verse 8, But now, now those things you need to bury them, put them away. Don't be messing with pornography. Don't be messing with stuff that, that was damning you before you got saved. But now that you're saved, put off all these, and he lists some new stuff, stuff that we didn't think we had to get rid of, like anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. In verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So, since you've been able to supernaturally put off all those past sins, he says, uh, and I, let me just review here, to put off means to shed like a like a... You know, cat sheds and dogs shed their hair. Well, you need to just just drop that old life of yours that Christ keeps pulling away from you and you keep holding on to. If somebody, if you're saved and you're still smoking, let me tell you this, let it go. You say, it'll be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Of course it will be. But in the end, you're going to have to say, it does not control me. It may, I may be addicted to it. I may want it. But at some point, you got to decide, I don't. And I can shed it. I can take it off and walk away from it. And my wrestling will be to be free and stay free. So to put off, as he says here, and I'll say it, I'll, it says, verse 8, but now you also put off. That means to stop wearing those things so that you can put on another attitude. Um, let me see. Who's got a jacket? Dan, let me see your jacket for a second. I got to use somebody with a bigger jacket. <clears throat> all right. Now, I already look pretty good, all right? But then uh, this will really do me good, right? Okay, I would look. <laughs> All right, I'm glad this is not on film, okay? But I look rather stupid, amen? Don't I? <laughs> that's not a 36 regular, that's an 86 regular. Anyway, I'm trying to put something on top of something else. And the better way, if I were to wear it, if he actually had my figure... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a miracle. But if I wanted to wear his outfit, all right, if I wanted to wear, I wouldn't even try your pants, forget it. But, <laughs> but if I was going to wear that suit, all right, I got to get this off. And if I'm going to, if I'm wondering why don't I have a right attitude, it's because I'm still wearing, still wearing the old attitude. Because I'm still carrying around the, the bad attitudes, the anger, the bad habits of thinking about getting even <laughs> and hurting somebody back. Um, he lists those things, malice, uh, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You ever wonder what's important to, to have victory over? One of them is flippant words. Words that come out of your mouth that you ought to be ashamed of. And you say, that's sweet and, and, and uh, poison water shouldn't come out of the same fountain, James says. 
So you want to put on another attitude. Now the Bible says to put off, and we go through it, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth and all lying. Now you would you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but Christians blaspheme Jesus. Sometimes by their life, sometimes by their word. And Paul says, get rid of it. Don't do that. He said, I can't help it. Is that what you let your kids get away with? Well, I can't help it. Don't be a child. Grow up and say, I can. I'm responsible for what comes out of my mouth. Amen? You are responsible for, for the anger you hold on to. You're responsible for how you treat people with wrath or with kindness. So, he says to put off those things. And to actively put off those things means that you got to dread its, its effect. Dread it. Uh, if somebody handed me a, a ticking time bomb, what do you think I'll do with it? <laughs> I'm not going to take pictures of it. Oh, I'm going to put this on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to flee it, amen? And you know, when I look at sin in my life, what do I need to do? I need to run. You've got a great picture with, with Joseph um, in, in the Old Testament, in Genesis there, 39. He's got uh, uh, authority over the entire household of Potiphar's household. And one day, there's no other servant in the house, and there's a woman there. And her, it's Potiphar's wife, and she seems to be a little lonely that day. Uh, and uh, she tries to invite uh, and, and, and uh, interest jo- uh, Joseph into coming into her bedroom. And he says, no, ma'am, I'm a little busy. <laughs> and he, she pulls him in, lures him in, and when he gets into her room reluctantly, she grabs his clothes, and you know what he does? He What does he do? I wish I could exam, I'm not, well, don't do it. But she's got a hold and she says, now nah, I got you. And I mean, he disrobes in the room and lickety split runs out. He puts off what could have become a very, you know, if, if, if Mr. Potiphar found them, he'd be dead. Amen. So dread what that sin is going to do to you. And then I said, you need to dethrone it, which means don't make it so important. A lot of people struggle with sin and they think about it 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 and they focus on it and they focus on it and they go, I gotta resist it, I gotta resist it. Don't do that. You give too much power to it. You worry about how you feel about it. You worry about how you, you miss it. <laughs> you worry about, you know, you, to, to, uh, to some people, sin is all they think about. Let me tell you this, don't think about it. Get the mind of Christ. Do you think he thought about sin? He thought about you. Now, dethrone it means to make it not important. Do you know what's more important? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Word of God. Let, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what Jesus walked in? The truth. He, he's constantly praying to his Heavenly Father. He's, he's living, not sitting there focused on, oh, I can't give into this temptation. Oh, I gotta worry about that. No, he dethroned it. You know, your sin's not as important as your Savior. Amen. Come on, memorize that. My sin is not as important as my Savior. So dethrone it. Then you disrobe it, which means you take it. You, you just say, you know what? I'm not. Uh, your, your your wife makes you angry. You just suit. I'm not. I'm not going to wear my angry face. <laughs> I'm not going to respond in kind. I'm not going to. I'm going to disrobe it. I'm going to put something else better on. And then you can drain it. Now this was a great. I'm going to apply this to lion in just a moment. But you can drain your anger by trying to get angry at God. You try it for just five minutes and you'll end up going, this is stupid. How can I be angry at Jesus? And it's gone. You'd be surprised at how fast your anger or whatever sin you're messing with, you'll see how fast it drains when you focus on the cross. 
And then you delight, and this is the key, you delight in something more powerful that you're going to put on. So, let's apply it to lying. Let's apply it to lying. Uh, Good parenting teaches a child four big things. You ready? If if you ever want to know whether you're a good parent, these are the four things you've got to focus on to pass on to your kids. Number one, to work hard. I'm telling you, most parents aren't. The most one of uh, there, there are four things, and not one of them is more important than another. Don't misunderstand. But I say this: that a dad and a mom have to teach their children to work and work hard. If a child just goes to school and just sits at home and never learns to to get their hands dirty, never learns what it means to sweat and to perspire. If you're a girl, uh, if they never know what it means to come at the end of the day and collapse then you haven't done your job. Well, i got to teach my child their math. Hey, man, I'm glad they, they do need to learn math. But they need to learn to work, because that's what life is. Second thing that a parent needs to teach their children is to obey authorities. Again, like I said, we're not teaching that. Amen. You know, if dad says something, mom ought to go, you better listen to him. Amen. Uh, to listen, We're getting this generation... I believe, is getting ready for the Antichrist. Because they are the children of rebellion. And the only way for rebellion to be controlled is through tyranny, through police in every corner. And I tell you what, Christians, we don't have any part of that. You know, if the police officer bling their lights, you think I'm just going to gun it? (laughs) I'll show them who's boss. I pull over, I told my kids, I mean, we were stopped one time uh, we were near the border of Mexico there, and they had the immigration officials there. And I said to the kids, I said, kids, whatever they say, you do. We ain't fighting. So why don't you, it may, it may not have been a legal search. I don't care what it is. They have authority. And I don't want to be wasting a whole day trying to debate them or argue with them like some stupid nuts. Honestly, obey authorities, amen? Third thing you teach your children is to take responsibility when they do wrong. Amen. I mean... There's just, I don't I could speak on this forever. And then the fourth thing is to tell the truth. I don't believe anybody is worth anything if they're not truthful. I don't care if you can figure out the math from here to the moon and back. I don't care if you can design an artificial intelligence that is smarter than your, than, than, um, uh, then uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know if he's smart. i got to find somebody else smart. I don't know. I don't care if you, if you are so brilliant. If you're not honest and truthful, I want nothing to do with you. And neither does God. The, I believe if I could put out of all of those things, and I think they're all four super important, the most important thing to teach a child is to be truthful. Um, did you take that? Yes, Daddy. Good. I can, I can help you. Oh no, daddy, I didn't take that. She did. Oh, now I gotta deal with not just what they did wrong, but the fact they lied about it. Are you with me? So, let's talk about, when Paul says, put away all lying, let me tell you what the Word of God says. Let's go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Let's see, I'll get needed if you'll read Psalm 34, 13. Yes, ma'am. Keep thy tongue from 
Now, guile is a, a, a lie or a deceiving word. So who's in charge of your tongue? I've got to keep my tongue. That's right. Do you see that word? I've got to keep my tongue from evil. I've got to keep my lips from speaking lie, uh, guile. So if, if, my, if I want to tell a lie, if I want to deceive, if I want to beguile somebody, I need to take a grip on that and say, I've got to stop it. I've got to stop it. Uh, go to Proverbs 13.5, Dean. Proverbs 13.5. Okay, so you got two contrasts there, but the main contrast we're looking at is a righteous man. How does he? How does he see lying? Okay, so this is very important. I'm in a culture, a modern culture where everybody lies. Anybody else live in that culture? I mean, people don't care whether they tell the truth or not. That ought not to be so. A godly man, a Christian man, a Christian woman hates lying, not just in other people, but in who? In themselves. I'll show you another scripture. Go to Matthew 5, 37. Brother Andrew, Matthew 5, 37. Oh, that's not it. Matthew 5, 37. Oh, I'm in Luke. Good night. Go ahead. You got it. So let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of people. So why does he say yea or nay? Why does he say keep it simple? Yeah, you don't try to explain yourself. You don't try to defend yourself. Somebody asks you a question, just say yes or no. Did you do it? Yes. Uh, um, uh, it's just, it's just be real and be honest and say the truth. So God says there should be nothing except just telling the truth. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Now I deal with lying because in a moment we're going to look at the other side and look at what I should be wearing instead of lying. You think a lying tongue is beautiful? Hmm? You know, if, 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 uh, you know, you got a friend and your friend sets you down and says, man, you're the smartest guy. Oh, man, I, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I think, I think we ought to go into business together. I tell you what, um, uh, uh you know, I think we could make great company together. You know, you're looking at him going, really? Wow. I got, yeah, let me go get my money. <laughs> There's always money. And then you find out he was lying to get your money, and then he took off and went with somebody else. Uh, you know, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. I'm going to ask uh, Jennifer, Exodus 20, 16. All right, what's a false witness? Okay, a false witness is a liar. Don't don't tell a lie about your neighbor. That's the truth. Uh, that's 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 the emphasis. Go to Ephesians four twenty five. Adelina, Ephesians four twenty five. <clears throat> Ephesians four twenty five. 
Yes. Okay, sounds a little bit like Exodus chapter 20, and it says, speak truth with your neighbor, because we're family. So you, you have no reason to tell a lie, especially among Christians. John 8, 44. Why? Why? What's the problem with the lie, Rodell? John 8, 44. Wow, strong words. You're of your father, the devil. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. That's terrifying. So when I give in to the temptation to lie, whose, whose lusts am I actually fulfilling? The devil's. That ought to terrify us. Revelation 21 and verse 8. Uh, Brother Darren, Revelation 21, 8. I gave you my sweet message this morning. Tonight it's sour, amen. <laughs> Revelation 21, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers, the homeowners and the sorcerers. Hold. Are those guys all good or bad? They're pretty bad guys. Keep going. You know, if you can't be honest with God, you'll never get saved. You can't, you cannot lie to God. But if you're going to try to lie to God, you're, you've lost eternity. All liars will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Um, you know, um, uh, I just, the Word of God exposes religion because religion is full, is full of liars. I'll just read this in Revelation 2, 2. Jesus says, I know thy works, speaking to the church at Sardis, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them out as liars. So don't say that, well, if I'm religious, I don't lie. No, religious, religious people lie just as, just as readily as they breathe. The, the key is, as a Christian, as I read my Bible, the emphasis is that, you know, if I do find myself um, lying, covering up sin, um, uh, putting on a show, um, making sure everybody thinks one way of me when I'm another way, we call that hypocrisy. But you know what God calls it? A lie. And if that's in our life, it's important for us to handle it the way that I taught you about anger, and that is you need to dread the consequences of lying. You know, um, uh, my kids found out, at least I tried to teach them. I don't know if they, they got it very well, but I tried my best to teach them. It is worse getting caught for lying than getting caught for almost anything else. Amen. A lie is is your attempt to keep your sin 
undiscoverable. So that lie really is worse than what you may be caught or, or, or somebody trying to catch you to do. So you need to dread the consequences of being caught because guess who already knows you've lied and that you've sinned? God. And the Bible says you will be exposed. So you, you dread the consequences. And I believe that the consequences ought to be worse than telling the truth. Say, well, if I tell the truth, I'll get in trouble. You'll get in less trouble than if you caught lying. Second thing, you dethrone it. Now, to dethrone it just simply means you got to stop believing that lying is more powerful. Like, a, you know, uh, what does a politician believe? A politician believes, well, if I just tell them what they want to hear, that's not how I would want to live. So to dethrone it means that I don't believe in the power of a lie anymore. I believe in the power of truth. And doesn't the truth make somebody free? Of course it does. So you dethrone it. You say, my lies, I don't want anybody to believe anything except the truth. And then you disrobe it. Now to disrobe it just means that, listen, if you thought, if you could see how you look to the Lord, if your lies, if you could imagine taking off a, ladies, let's just, let's just really make this visual. You reach into your, your, your wardrobe there and your closet and you pull out this nice outfit and you, you put on that jumper vest, but anyway, that jumper and you put it on and you begin to button it and you look on the sleeve and there's about four or five spiders on that side. You look over on this side and there's two or three more and then you see one coming up along this side. How fast would you take it off? Lightning, amen. <laughs> you see, the moment you see yourself getting angry, how fast did you stop it? That fast. And the moment you see yourself starting to tell a lie, how fast did you disrobe? You take it off right then, amen. And you may have to say, I'm sorry, that was a lie. That was, that was not quite true. Let me tell you the truth. Amen. I'm just giving you the mechanics. When Paul says, put away all lying, he means it. Uh, and then you drain it. You say, how do you drain lying from your lips? <laughs> well, listen to Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know how you drain a lie out of your lips? It ought to terrify you. You ought to believe that telling the truth will make you free from that bondage that that lie would enslave you to. You know what the problem with the lie is? You have to remember it. Man, you want to be free from it? Just tell the truth. Now, here's, I'm going to stop with this. But if I would start wrestling these six sins off, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, if I wrestle them off of me every time I find them active, I could start wearing what Christ gave me to wear instead, which is found in verse 12 and verse 13. Back in the Colossians, and we will finish. Colossians 3. Just look at it here. I think these are much more beautiful, don't you? Look at uh, Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, after you put off. You remember, there's a, there's a great illustration of blind Bartimaeus. He's on the side of the road. What kind of clothes is he wearing? They're called beggar's rags. And he's on the side of the road. He looks like a beggar. He smells like a beggar. And there he is, he's, he's, he's asking for, for any kind of coins, any kind of help as people pass by, and he hears that Jesus is passing by. And he cries out, Lord, have mercy on me, thou son of David! 
Have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and he says, bring him here. And when they said, the master calleth thee, you know, do you know exactly at that moment, you know what blind Bartimaeus decides to do? He takes off everything but his underwear. He disrobes that old filthy rag of a, of a, of an outfit that he's worn for years and he hasn't been able to wash because nobody's cared for him. Nobody's helped him. He takes that off and he runs up almost to the Lord. He says, where are you, Lord? Must have been a great embarrassment. Do you know what? From that moment on, he says, I'm getting a new suit of clothes. I know I'm no longer going to be blind. The master has called me. He's going to heal me. And you know, when you get saved and you drop that old way of living, the Lord's got a new suit of clothes for you. Uh, look at the, Look at it here. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, and he lists the first thing, bowels of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on what? Which is the bond of perfectness. So, you get eight new suits when you get saved. Now, I wasn't going to show women getting outfits, so we'll just stick with the guys for a minute here. But you got to take off the old man. And you put on a nice suit of, of mercy. You know what mercy is? Restraint. Not giving somebody what they deserve. Bowels of mercy. And it's not just, well, I won't do it. No, there's a, there's compassion in it that says, boy, I, I ought to poison you, but I'm not. Bowels of mercy. Another new suit you could get is kindness. I want you to remember these things like a, like, like a lady going, I got eight new sets of clothes. Wouldn't that be make your day tomorrow? Amen. Well, gentlemen, You've got, you've been given the humbleness of mind. Where do you get that from? Where could you get a humble mind from? The mind of Christ. Uh, meekness. Long suffering. Forbearance. Forgiveness. And charity. I mean, if you could just, I mean, if every day you walked out with a new suit into work or into school and people look at it and go, man, look, he's got a new suit on. Look at that. Look. Dean, look, stunning. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But better than a physical suit, if at school they met a man or they met a woman that had those characteristics, you tell me if the world wouldn't be turned upside down. Because those are far more beautiful than anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, evil speaking. Whenever you've been hurt, Whenever there's pain, whenever somebody mocks you or attacks you or you're full of frustration, that's what I want to wear. Now I have to, I have to put it on. <laughs> All right. So let me throw through here. Uh, I'm going to go right here. Which of those is most important to wear every day? Well, all of them, amen. But if I could only choose one today, which one? Is the one that every Christian's got to work on. Charity. It sure does. It is actually, it says it's the bond of perfectness, which just simply means it's the glue that will hold everything else in your life together. So we're going to learn how to wear those things next time. Father, I thank you for this day. We've had a full day and we've had a full cup. But right now, God, I, I really feel like we, we need to step out of our, our, uh, our old man outfit. The old habit, Lord, we, we, we live too comfortably.
in our lying, in our, our use of words that just, that are not true, they're not honest. A lot of Christians aren't real. So the world, the world has no idea what it means to be real. If anybody should be real and honest and true blue, it ought to be a Christian. I don't mean that we're perfect. We have nothing good about us except Jesus Christ. But we, we should be true. Nobody should ever wonder whether Pastor Craig is telling the truth. Nobody should ever second guess whether a Christian is being truthful, trustworthy, honest. The only reason why we're going to get to that place is where we say, you know, Lord, I, I want to wear something better. I would like to have the beauty of holiness in my life. Something that would be pleasing unto you. Something that would just honor you, Lord. So God, whatever I may be so quick to put on and wear that is not like Christ, let me put it off every single time. I, I'll never get to the place where it will never be there. Never just show up, but it'll, it'll always, I'll always be able to say, oh, I didn't know I was wearing that. Let me take it off. Let me put something better on. As a Christian, I can do that. In this room, there may be somebody who keeps trying to work on their language, keep trying to work on their eyes, what they look at, keep trying to work on all the thoughts that go through their head. Let me encourage them, Father, that they can't do it without salvation. They can't do it without the new birth. They can't do it without the Spirit of God. They need to be born again. Tonight's a good night to get saved. All they need is Jesus Christ who moves in and transforms the life. Doesn't make them perfect, but makes them complete. Lord, there's plenty, in this room, there are plenty of Christians who need to decide, you know what, I'm going to put some stuff away because I want to be like Jesus. Help us to have that goal because of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.